Well, I guess there's no no real banter this time. Welcome to Fandom Nonsense, I'm Zach. <laughs> there's no easy way to say this, but welcome to Fandom Nonsense. <laughs> I'm also Nolan, in addition to being Nolan, I guess. I'm Goose. Whatever. So, um, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed a little throwback last week. It was our, our first published episode. I don't mm. know where... The, the origin, very first? The very first episode is. I'm going to find that if we can. The birth of also? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you've followed any uh, indie carnival content from this show to Does It Science on, on YouTube, go watch it right now. Fuck this show. It's not as good. Um, <laughs> and, um, and even live shows of Boxes Have Holes or, or Be Good Elliot or uh, Heart Shaped Boxers, you will be familiar with Nolan's uh, secondary persona of also Nolan. <laughs> and the origins of that are in the very first Phantom Nonsense podcast that never made it, to, uh, made it to air. But the first published one, I finally re-released on audio for all of you guys to listen to. So go back. It's a bunch of bullshit conversation that I don't even remember. What did you remember anything we talked about in that first one? Oh, about showering, certainly, yeah. as opposed to bathing. Man, that is the one thing. Every single one of those episodes that went up on YouTube, I found, I did the, I did the Rocky and Bullwinkle titling, yeah, titling right. thing. You yeah. know, like, you know, next time, uh, <laughs> the hidden ball place or goal is where you find it. Having the two alternate titles. And one was always going to be the audio version title. Right. And so now going back and... And re-uploading those, I'm like, yes, I finally have a, a use for all that goddamn wasted time of going through these episodes <laughs> and finding some little one-liner that I could use as a secondary title that no one's ever going to see. <laughs> but, uh, but this week we're back, and we have another uh, different kind of conversation. We are um, opening things up to the entire breadth of the Magic Kingdom tonight. Yes, yes we are. That's right. Um, Disney, the monolith that has fucked our entire life with its giant corporate dick for <laughs> Because we are all broke asses and yeah. haven't had the time or money to go see Birds of Prey or the Sonic movie like we had intended to. See. See. Um, we are going to talk about the biggest monolith in modern pop culture. Media in general, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, so... You've seen it everywhere. Billboards, movies, TV shows, toys, the inside of your eyelids. Just every little bit of space is trying to be bought up by Disney. But you could actually rent out, like, part of your body and, like, tattoo a Disney logo on there. Oh, like I bet they pay, pay for it, it. yeah. yeah. Mm, I think you'd probably get sued, actually. Actually, yeah, no, that's... That'd be the more likely yeah. scenario. They'd repossess that section of your skin. <laughs> they would just take it? Yeah. That is... Okay, so... I don't really necessarily want to get into uh into like star wars maybe lucasfilm broadly in that right. whole like implications of the monopoly as we go along but one thing that i will say i don't i don't agree with like a lot of the criticism kind of the some of the best star wars stuff has come out under under disney oh yeah for sure but one thing is back in the day there was an open um I don't know what the word I'm looking looking for is, but kind of an open forum for for fan films. Since hmm. since Star Wars was done making movies, they were just perfectly fine with like, yeah, go ahead and make things, use our use the universe and however you see fit. And there would be, even at celebration every year, there would be a, like a, a contest, and the best one would yeah. be featured in everything. And yeah, that's stuff like Star Dudes. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Skywalker rap and shit like that. Right. And and even some like really like really good uh, character pieces and stuff, um, some really good good films and some really good um, just uh, stories and creators came came out of that. But the thing with under Disney is now if if you have uh, you know uh, if you make a a baby Yoda parody account, you'll get you'll get shut down, kind of right. thing. You yeah. know, like that they whole were suing people for selling baby Yoda plush on Etsy. Right, exactly. Because they didn't release anything in time for Christmas, so someone else like 
right. took the opportunity to exploit that for money, and, and now they're suing them. And that's God. That's kind of a, a foundational thing of for me with with Disney and this whole conversation is while there, I can't deny that the the efficiency of of Disney's sleigh bells sleigh bells um, I can't deny the efficiency of, of Disney's brand you say their name that just sleigh bells appear I don't yeah. know if you guys noticed that uh, of their brand but their role as as increasingly a monopoly in this system is very problematic yeah so. They raise a lot of questions about how we should think about ownership, especially when it comes to like intellectual properties, because even from the very get-go of what Walt Disney was doing, there's some really problematic stuff in the culture around how uh, art is distributed through like corporate identity. It's, it's really interesting that you bring up ownership, because I have a lot to say about that on a future topic tonight, but first, uh, I guess to, to start start us off my first question would be to you guys what did disney mean to you as a kid because we got a little bit of age range here to me it like uh uh disney channel was big for me that mm -hmm. was like probably my the the most disney media that i absorbed was through the disney channel yeah like i was i was big into those weird sitcoms which all sort of blended together to the point where i can't even really name any of them right now right but you know what I'm talking about, like, uh, Good Luck Charlie and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a little bit on the later end of my... Yeah, that was, like, like, uh, like mid-2000s, I feel like, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, my... Same, but for me, it was, uh, Even Stevens. Mmm, yep. Uh, Kim Possible. Yes. Uh, what was the show... Everything on Disney XD was this shit. Yeah. See, Disney XD was kind of after my time. Was like, it a little bit? A little bit like transitioning out of. Yeah. I mean, that's where like the Buzz Year, Buzz Year, Buzz, uh, Buzz Lightyear comics were from. The With show? the animated series, yeah. yeah it premiered on that. It was on Toon Disney, which yeah. was the predecessor to, to XD. Yeah. Um... But, oh, yeah, I remember the Little Mermaid show being really good for some reason. Yeah, Little Mermaid show mm -hmm. was one of the better ones of the of the movie adaptations. The Aladdin show was good, too. Oh, uh, Timon and Pumbaa? Mm-hmm. That was really good, too. Um, but, no, for... I don't... Disney, the Disney Channel was um, mo mostly... Like the quirky sitcoms and original original movies mm. for me was what I remember. What was the one with the bears who were in a band? The, country, the country Bears. Yeah, yes. those terrified that was a real movie, me. Though, wasn't it? No, yeah. that was a yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, that was a movie, yeah. and it haunted my nightmares for right. years. They did play it on the Disney Channel. They did quite a bit. They yeah. did get a show for a bit though. Did they? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like two seasons or something. I could be wrong, but right. I definitely remember. Oh, they had they were also on sing-alongs because Disney mm -hmm. had those sing-along things where like they would tour you through the uh, the parks and you would see like Winnie the Pooh come out and you would like sing with the little lyrics Aww. on the screen. Well, that's cute. But uh, now, now in the context we have for that kind of uh, animatronics, it just feels like Five Nights at Freddy's if, if they were a country band. Right. It's just, it's just All upsetting. All animatronics feel like that. Yeah, isn't that the sure. basis of Five Nights at Freddy's thing? <laughs> like, isn't it, it might be, yeah. yeah. yeah I think, so I think that it, and Chuggy G's. Because I think it, no, I think it's, I don't know if it's directly Disney. I think it's, I think it's based on the Country Bears attraction at Disneyland. I mean, Five like Nights, just, like the storyline or like the animatronics? The animatronics. The, an, the animatronics. Okay. It's just that gone awry kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like the storyline is like based off someone being murdered in a Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, so it's it's not a, fuck, not Chuck E. Cheese, uh, Showbiz, I think is the, it's like the predecessor to Chuck E. Cheese that had the, the country time band and, and right. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's actually something that I'd want to, I'd want to talk about um, in the future is uh, 
Let us know in the comments that don't exist, bitches. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the downfall of the evolution and downfall of family entertainment. Yeah, you know, and, there's not and, really a space for that right now. I mean, Chuck right. E. Cheese is still around, but but it's not. Is it not? No, because Chuck E. Cheese got rid of the animatronics. Chuck E. Cheese is just... It's all digital now. Right. It's all just... It's just an arcade for yeah. kids? Yeah. Oh, it's just... Okay. Well, parents, like, stop to the side eating their pizza. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, there's no little parent there's, corral. So like, there's, yeah. no, there's no show to it anymore. Right. You know, that's... Well, that's fucked up. Yeah. That was, like, the best part when you were little. Right. You know, it's just... They're, like, like, TVs that are off in the corner where, like, you can look up and, like, it's them performing, mm-hmm. like, doing little skits. Right. I liked that shit. It was just, like, if there was a birthday party that night... It was weird. It was like you paid this house band that was robots to yeah. right to do a show, like a little variety show, some I sketches, have, a little stand up. Also, I have a show idea based on this. Oh shit! Um, but moving on, what about you, Goose? What? How did you? I didn't have cable growing up, so we Same. watched a bunch of VHSs. So I was introduced to Disney princesses, like okay. at a fairly young age. So like. The Little Mermaid and yeah. like Mulan and uh, Cinderella. Cinderella. For my first Rally, ones, Cinderella. like my Nana still has like six <laughs> totes of like VHSs that are mm-hmm. all the original Disney movies and all their sequels and stuff. Like oh, every cool. Disney movie that came out, she owns, mm. including the sing-along ones. Yikes! I remember those sing-alongs. were cute though. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like a, uh, the Musketeers Club, like. Did it and like they sponsored like the Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts for like something like the the money from the proceeds. M I C K E Y M O U S E. That's funny. I'm. I guess I'm somewhat of a synthesis between the between the two because I didn't have cable, but. Um, when I was really young, my grandparents had Disney sometimes because, I don't know how it is now, but then Disney was premium mm. on, on cable, at least yeah. for, at least for Comcast. Yeah. So like when they're every six months when there'd be like a promotional package or something and they could get like, you can try HBO stars and Disney right. and everything kind yeah. of thing. Oh, then, yeah. then we'd have, we'd have Disney Channel as when I was really young. And then in 97... The the flood happened, and in Heath, and my grandparents moved to Mayfield, got Galaxy, and Disney was just part of the package. So, watched a lot more Disney then when I was when I was about seven, eight, um, and like I said, you know, uh, I can't remember what was on then. Soon it would be Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens. Uh, Boy Meets World reruns. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, the famous Jet Jackson, Get Weird. Um, uh, i trying to think. What was the... There was one, like, super... Drum, super no, So Weird. That was it. The one with the... Uh, I can't think of her fucking name right now. But... Uh, I think country singer slash actress. I can, I'll look it up later. But just paranormal kind of kind of stuff late at hmm. late at night, like. And that's the that's the thing with, I guess, to me Disney growing up, was. It's on, it's almost Disney in the nineties is really interesting to me because, it's almost this perfect bubble of neo of neoliberalism at its height. Because it's super refined and commodified, but Clinton era Disney. <laughs> what Clinton era? Yeah, it's Disney. it's Clinton era. It's Clinton era Disney. It's it's dot com era yeah. era Disney. It's very. I did not get to experience any of that. Um, no, I guess I guess you yeah. didn't. Um, yes. but it's the Disney that informs the Disney that we have that we have today. Um, you know, on one hand, there's the, there's the Renaissance and all the great film, cartoon films that come out in that era, but even those are like, 
they're they're so perfect, and yet they exist in such this limited space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're so safe, and so much of the Disney Channel was like su- such cool and interesting concepts, but they were packaged in a way that you know the whole family could enjoy kind of kind of thing those kind of buzzwords are like i directly associate with disney properties right yeah like that kind of idea of this is this is a family safe thing you know they kind of dominate that whole realm of entertainment yeah like um high school musical luck of the irish right right uh high school musical is supposed to be for teens Right. Like, ostensibly, but it's not at all. It's for, like, kids that want to look up to what high school might be like and for people who are nostalgic or have children. Like, nobody in high school is jamming to High School Musical and not getting beat up, at least Man, I loved High School Musical whenever I was, like... When we first moved... I don't remember where it was. It was somewhere in Kentucky. They they came out with a dance mat that you could like follow along with oh High School Musical, and they'd have the dance map off to the side of the screen while you're watching the movie, and you would like right. do the dance moves. Right. I it. also there's, I feel like there's a mixed message with all that stuff. Like I remember there's a specific song in the first High School Musical where it's like, "Don't mess with the status quo." I'm sure mm-hmm. you've. No, I've never seen any of them. For real. Yeah. Oh my actually? god. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. that's. I was literally just about to comment on the funny um, disparity here of. That was that was your Disney. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've seen it. Right. You're, yeah. you're familiar like, with it, but I was it's. like, this isn't for me. Whenever right. I was watching and I'm only aware of it because of just culture. And then, like, I'm. I'm sure the only, no, I don't, like, if you go to someone like my sister's age, who's five years older than me, then her only awareness of it would be because she has a child and or because she used to nanny and teach. So, like, that's just, just funny, like, I no, I have never <laughs> seen any of, of high school, high school musical. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another thing Disney can do. They can just they're so ubiquitous that they can just like tap into every niche market that they right. want yeah. and just have a little something for that that little little group of people. Um that still is sort of flavored in this like broad, you know, this can be enjoyed by anyone kind of yeah. ethos. My like I forgot that like my, after my parents divorced my mom had just moved up here. Mm-hmm. Every time we would go and visit my dad, we would be able to watch, like, late-night Toon Disney. Right. And that's, like, how I actually saw, like, all the Word. cartoons originally. Right. I think in some way that it's, like, art imitating life and the the reverse of that, too, because in a lot of ways, like, Disney was defining what you could do in, a, like, a family-safe environment. Because mm-hmm. a lot of what they pushed were, like, emotional things. Like, in Lion King, people think about... The death of Mufasa being like a really heavy hitting moment for a child's movie, mm-hmm. and I think that like Disney, who has a reputation of being like this is what is appropriate for for families, can get away with stuff like that and also define when it is out of place. You know? Yeah. No, there's. I'm not going to n- deny the level of of quality control, and I think that's that's the that's the word that I guess. I mean, because obviously I didn't know I didn't have any class analysis as as a child. Thanks, right. mom. Um, so I, you know, words like neo neoliberal didn't don't come into play really. Right. That's me reflecting back. But quality is the oh, word yeah. that I would definitely use um, to describe Disney as a kid. But even as a kid, I recognized that you know if you if you wanted a movie. Or a show, like, Disney was never going to make a show like Hey Arnold. Right. Where you know? it was like, the whole point was that, oh, this guy's life is shitty in some ways. Right. But it, there's also, like, a lot of beauty and uh, relatability to his right. struggle. Right. Like, he's not a he's not a 
there's a lot of special boys and girls in in Disney. Exactly. Like all of the main characters are like you're special. Like you have something particular about you that makes you set apart from everyone else. And like stuff that you'd see on Nick is more like, hey, we're all kind of in this same boat together. Right. And, and even like a that. even a show like like Angry Beavers, you know, or something like yeah. just a more cynical look at relationships or, or something was just not something you'd expect from ever expect from from Disney right um, even to the point that you know some of the best Disney movies aren't even under Disney they're under Touchstone or under different subsidiaries that you know movies that um, are like like the R-rated movies and stuff. Movies you don't even realize are Disney. Like what? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Tombstone is one that oh, was yeah. distributed by uh, by Touchstone. Um, that's probably the first one, main one I could I could think of. I think anything that they think might have a little bit more maturity in it. Exactly. Anything they don't want to tarnish the Disney brand. Right. And I think that's the role that Fox is going to play going forward. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they have been like the. Wait, are you uh, talking about the the western movie? Yeah. What? Yeah. If I remember right, that's that's Touchstone. Um, no, it is. I just googled it. Okay, but yeah, that's that's a or was a Disney subsidiary that we they'd make adult films. I don't mean adult <laughs> films. That's what Toon Disney's for. Um, Honestly, our, though. Oh my God! Do you guys remember the um, fucking? Emperor's New Groove cartoon, where, like, he had a, he got kicked out of, like, uh, being the emperor because he had to go and get his GED. Oh, the Emperor's New School. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I remember it. I See, I love the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, yeah, shit. The I, show? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't get into into the show. That, like, that I, was right in the sweet spot where I was like, I just like this character, and I like seeing him talk shit to everyone, basically. Yeah, yeah. He was I guess trying it was to fuck this it, girl this whole time, and she was like, but I care about books more. I only watched a couple good. episodes. I'll have to go back and mm. try it again. Um, it's, it's pretty good. So now we're moving along, I guess, to... With that context, what does Disney mean to you now? How do you think of... Now Disney, to me, shows that like even though a group of people can be very competent at something, that like mass amounts of power and influence inevitably cause issues in especially in the arts and in media mm-hmm. in general because when disney just has their their paws and everything and they like want to do what is like largely quality control and just like maintaining their brand and stuff right that just sort of that kneecaps every new property that they acquire and makes it and inevitably have to become more disney mm-hmm. even if it is still like it's original. high quality and you know it's just it's just this this like hegemony of 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 ideas this like this monolithic beast of of i uh, like an ideology an ideology that that wants to aggrandize this like false sense of majesty in the world and because of that it is very hard to find internal critiques of the company right because they're they have to you know continue this this uh this facade basically this illusion of having like ubiquitously good intentions like right. we're supposed to in 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 the text of like how disney talks about itself we're supposed to see walt disney as this like saint of a person right who's just like creative genius and never did anything wrong and platformed all these different artists and employed all these different people but we also realize that like 11% of the people that work in those parks are, are homeless. Have been homeless in the last two years. Yeah. Right. And, and like are having issues with like food scarcity and like yeah. someone died as recently wavered. as uh, 2018 because she had to sleep in her car and she had a heat stroke. Right. Yeah. And like workers die there all the time. Yeah. No. From like ride accidents. And it, it, it just, now it just feels like it's the face on this sense of cold comfort that we're supposed to have as a society and like how we how we approach what our economy is turning the arts into yeah and 
I just, I think that the more uh, properties that are, that are under this monopoly, the less legitimacy in a like broad perspective that the world can have on like in, in regards to uh, independent artists right. and animators. Like who's going to want to see like just a single animator did like painstaking work over like a year to do, you know, maybe a 20 minute piece of animation whenever fucking Disney can shit it out with a right. hundred different underpaid yeah. like the workers and it's 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 upsetting but it is it does feel like it's connected to something bigger still you know right like there are there are some great artists that have been th- like brought up through Disney and it's it's just this weird mixed bag of Obligatory, capitalist, hellish exploitation, and this giant culture of of creativity and, right. and artistry. You know, the thing about Disney in the '90s and the Disney Renaissance is we're coming out of about twenty. 25 years of of decline in Disney's reputation and and position in in media you know when Walt dies things slowly start to deteriorate till you get to to the 80s and and ex Disney animator Don Bluth mm. is beating Disney out at the box office you know, and then in the '90s you have that renaissance, and so in the '90s, Disney has something to prove again. Yeah. You know, they have, they're trying to reclaim their their position, um, as, as the leaders and innovators in, in animation and, and imagination in general, and they manage to do that, and then, as, that's waning. They get, they get the deal with Pixar, and so just as it looks like that is about to crest, they get another wave of of Disney uh, leverage, I guess you could say, on the whole thing. And so when you get to the modern day, Disney is just isn't trying to prove anything anymore. No. You know, they're main they're maintaining their their brand and so in that context all of the all of the reboots and everything start to make a lot more sense yeah because they're not trying to innovate they have innovated they've right. done that and now they're just trying to maintain their hege- their hegemony on the whole bless you you're welcome um Oh, they're hegemony on the on the whole thing, um, and that's that's Disney to me today. Is they're just they are the status quo, and so they don't have. While before they had an interest in making the the best animated movie, or you know the best parks or or whatever else other innovations that um that Walt and the team could come up with now they have all of that and it's just trying to keep anybody else from climbing to the top and just maintaining that base status quo of oh you're you're the lion king here's the lion king here's the lion king as as we would do it in 2020 like yeah, definitely. This is definitely like Disney. Remember Disney? This is yeah. what you love about us. <laughs> it's like they're in a giant ship that is like in danger of toppling over if there isn't enough ballast. Right. And so they're just trying to like shove as much of what is already in there at the bottom as they possibly can. Yeah. Just like reinforce the core. You fucking love Lion King. You love Aladdin. You little piggy, come to our fucking yeah, theater and see like, this shit again. There's like a thing where it's every, it's like so many years. Walt Disney wanted to re-release. All the older videos. Every, 
that that was the idea with the with the Disney Disney Vault. Um, every seven years, and I don't know how that's going to function going forward with Disney Plus. If the vault is just open now, or if there's going to be like some movies that just go up. But like, yeah, like, like I don't know what's out right now, but you you can't buy the Lion King new like a legitimate copy of the Lion King new from a store um except for that tiny window where it's released from the from the vault mm. which is to maintain scarcity and to and before home video was a thing it was so um so the movies would just stay in circulation, you know, every seven years there's a new new generation of kids that's the right age to to see the Disney movies and so reintroduce it to them. Um, which, you know, from to me still makes more sense. Especially with animation that can scale up. Like if like we're talking like pre digital animation. And so film can scale up to 8K or more. You know, yeah. like film film does an artifact. Right. So like just trans just it's just a transfer process and then you just redistribute the movie again. Like yeah, maybe it doesn't it has diminishing returns and so eventually you just stop distributing it to theaters and you right. you just do home video. That seems like such a more rational move than recreating the entire life than recreating the whole thing yeah Yeah. except in a always having to increase profits perspective right but just from a what's going to be the most most efficient way to you know to uh rejuvenate the brand of this film right i mean it seems like you're risking doing more damage with with the live action movie because then what if the live action movie tanks and so you have all that money put into it way more money than you have into just redistribution and Mm -hmm. and transferring and and then that tarnishes the brand of the original movie and so that is is poison to your to your brand at that point you know so but um what about you goose what do you Still princesses? I mean, what I watch Disney now is for, like, little kids because I hang out with little kids. Or, like, whenever I was in school, they used Inside Out a lot. Mm. As, like, that's, like, the basis of child psychology now is using that movie as, like, a reference, which is, like, really good. That's amazing. That is crazy. Yeah, because, like, especially how, like, whenever you went into everybody's head inside the... The movie they showed like anger was in the dad's like spot where yeah. joy was in Riley's spot right. and then sadness was in the mom's spot. Shows like each person's mind a different character can lead and you just have to like imagining what is it? What's the best way to explain it? They said imagining like there being like a panel of little people in your head that puts it more into perspective of you being able to control your emotions because you can funnel it through like a, right. a better way. I think if you yeah, because Inside mm-hmm. Out adds a really strong visual metaphor in that, like, your emotions are the things that, like, occupy you. They're not always necessarily, like, the sum total of your experience. They're just, like, a gestalt that you're, like, being driven by at any given point in time. Well, and that's honestly probably my favorite movie that's ever come out under that, under the Disney banner. Certainly my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah. It is Bug, really true. Bugs Live, close second, but... Yeah, um, that one has uh, like a really like strong class message. Mm-hmm. Pick, Pixar, yeah. Pixar, good, uh, especially Pixar pre Disney buyout. Yeah, good. for sure. Um, and I do have very young brothers as well, so like that's just like, yeah. the family friendly thing to watch. Um, but the thing with Inside Out that struck me, and I'm sure you probably talked about it in your class or whatever, is the the com- the complexity, like. You know how Riley as a kid, her emotions and like the the emotion balls or whatever, yeah. the memories yeah. are very clearly. This one is a happy memory, or this one is a sad memory, or an angry memory, or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's, and then as she's maturing, 
they become more complex. Like mix. Right. They start like, to mix mm-hmm. and, and they change over time. Right. Yeah. And and that relationship with your with yourself and your experience and that internal dialectic of almost everything having shades of good and bad in it and you know how you felt about it at the time versus how you feel about it now you know and like feeling feeling guilty about emotions you had at the time and everything and like how you process that um i can definitely see how how that how that movie and just that whole whole concept of characterizing your emotions as opposed to just them being ethereal uh, intangible things in your head out of your control focus focuses it a yeah, lot especially more. Like for like a little kid who doesn't understand how to like put those things to words right. it's much easier because i think what were they using previously puppets or something like this yeah. puppet is your thing but You're now right. like you actually have something you can point out they use scenes a lot previous like um they would say just pick your favorite character from your favorite tv show your emotion represents this person so like parks and rec if you're doing that it would be like april of sadness we've got another fucking uh amy poehler Mm -hmm. (laughs) amy poehler's in both and then she would be happy or joy probably like she is in both yeah and would probably be uh i don't know i guess disgust you think Anne would be discussed? That's what, like... Wouldn't April be discussed? They did her as sadness. Really? Mm-hmm. I see Anne as sadness. Anyway. Um. But. I do have a thing to say about, uh, Parks from Disney in the 80s. Okay, go for it. <laughs> you got to say. All right, well, uh... October 1st, 1982, there was like a second park introduced for the first time for Disney. They were uh, talking about it for decades, and they were like finally going to do it. They got rid of Ron Miller. Now it's Michael Eisner in, in charge, and he's, he's buying up all these new lands like, mm-hmm. next to Disneyland in California. Right. And uh, they're, they're trying to build this, this second park, and uh, they... Do you know the, the Queen Mary? Yeah. <laughs> They got into this like land dispute with like the people who owned the the Queen Mary back in the day, mm-hmm. and oh, it was just look into that if you ever get the time. That's like a just a uh, it's it's a really weird deviation. And uh, what like there's this ideological jealousy that Michael Eisner was putting behind Disney at the time, mm-hmm. wherein he would see something that was popular in uh, in in. Any kind of release that that made money, like mm-hmm. any movie or TV show that came out, like it was a big hit. He was like, kind of like, oh hey, we'll do the Disney version of that, you know, we'll like do the Disney thing. And uh, fucking, that's when Disney Animal Kingdom got started. They uh, that was like an adaptation of Bush Gardens, and uh, I actually have something to say about that later because they had a whole island prior to Animal Kingdom devoted right. just for the animal part of that. Yeah. And this is when they're, they're like the resort first started being a thing, and they created this little company town, wherein, like it's a perfect it's a perfect microcosm for like what they were trying to do with media is that they there's no escape, like if you go to Disneyland and you stay at the resort, you are buying our Disney bucks and you're spending all of the money that like there's nowhere you can be, right? And to see everything in this park, you have to go through the resort at some point. You have to like see all this shit. Vacation company town, right? And they they uh, they introduced this Hollywood section in the eighties, and then this and uh, uh, like this is when California Adventure mm-hmm. was first first coming out, and uh, they had this ride that was called Superstar Limo, and it was supposed to be this like concept of you like getting chased down by paparazzi, and like the ride was supposed yeah. to be like a really fun diversion, like. Role playing as a uh, as as a starlet or whatever, and getting like your picture taken, and then like going out of the Chinese uh, theater, mm-hmm. and there was this whole to do. But then uh, Princess Diana died, and while they were in the production for this ride, and yeah. so that kind of put a shitty spin on the paparazzi chase, right? Because yeah, Princess Di lived up to her name. So, damn. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. Too soon? No, it's just not even clever. Oh, come on. (laughs) 
That's clever. <laughs> leave a leave a comment. Let me know <laughs> if that's clever or cruel. Just like gasped and like immediately looked at Zach for a reaction. So, this, this like, this ride loses all of its its funding, and they're like, oh, what the fuck are we gonna do? Like, we don't want to just like open the park without anything done with this portion of the fucking. Like, we built this whole ride, what are we supposed to do? So they ended up just, like, putting up these, like, disgusting mash of, like, trash animatronics of famous celebrities. But it was, like... Antonio like, Banderas and... And they had, like, really Cher, bad... And they had there's just terrible animation and these, like, cheap-ass cutouts. And um, they ended up, like, opening it, like... Uh, well, it it ran up until, like... February 8th, 2001, apparently. It was like a year after it opened. No, this is, this is like, well, yeah, it only, it only lasted a year. But they, they tried to reopen it, pardon me. They tried to reopen it in February 8th, 2001. And they did so with, uh, I think they were going to, <laughs> well, someone died on the Angel's flight. Of I don't know if you, yeah, remembered that. And they had this, like, fucking, like, tribute to it. It was there as, like, a ghost uh, uh, ride for a while, like it, it, it stopped being being viable after like the first year it was around because mm -hmm. people were like, we paid all this money and waited thirty minutes just to like basically see a shitty flip up book, <laughs> and I, I, it was you know an awful waste of money in life, and uh, so they repurposed the ride, uh, whenever Monsters Inc came out, and uh, like all of the robots are just like put into the what are they called the the agents that are the like, hazmat, like yeah, the hazmat people, whatever they are, and uh, so there's just these like zombie robots that have just had their skin taken and replaced as, and turned into these fucking <laughs> monolithic personalityless uh, hazmat creatures. And like they still have all the same hand motions. <laughs> and. It's just, it's just gross. So this, this is just like right before, uh, like Katzenberg left to become head of DreamWorks and shit. And yeah. like, there's just all of these shitty, like half thought through ideas in the eighties, just mm -hmm. because they were trying to repurpose all of these, these ideas that, right. that were already in, in the zeitgeist. And they just thought they would be able to make money off of like, we're Disney. We'll just do the, we'll do the Disney version of yeah. everything. And I think that's like a, that's a self-defeating, like, ethos. Because right. eventually you're just going to start grinding away at at the actual true mm -hmm. IP that was that was under everything. That mm -hmm. you're going to you're going to have diminishing returns to the point of just pointlessness. There's a really interesting, and I honestly don't know. I I guess there has to be a synthesis between the two, but there's an interesting dialectical struggle in the in the 90s between Eisner and and Katzenberg mm. yeah you know um and that it's it's really interesting to analyze quote unquote great men right who believe the great men theory about themselves right yeah. you know yeah um but also the that was Disney at its at its best because I mean when Katzenberg left, that's when you start to see the the decline in in Disney Disney films. I mean, as much as I love uh, the Emperor's New Groove or Atlantis. Or Treasure Planet, yeah. they're not as good right. as Lion King or Aladdin or yeah. Mulan. Like, there is, like... And part of it is is modernity, um, but also part of it is an overemphasis on, on modernity. And Katzenberg understood that Disney's role um, as... A communicator of of fairy tales and more. It's built on nostalgia. Yeah, it's built on it's built on nostalgia, um, and Disney's done a fair enough job 
in the last 20 years of modernizing that that nostalgia but i think there's a reason why the movies that we're going back and making are are the movies from the renaissance right i think there's a reason why those yeah. are the ones that hold up the strongest and why we're not you know movies movies like um and i enjoy them but movies like like the aristocats or oh yeah um Um, you know, Robin Hood's uh, sp supposed to be on the slate, but that's, you know, that's coming after Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan, um, even Lady and the Tramp, like movies in the later... Oh, Lady and the Tramp. That was my favorite as mm. a kid. My sister loved Lady and the Tramp. Um, but yeah, the... Katzenberg and Eisner are really interesting figures to me in the whole story of of yeah. Disney because they were so full of themselves and right. their like their tension between each other is probably the reason why Disney wasn't able to maintain its its level of of quality that it had in the nineties, but at the same time, without that tension, I don't think that that they even rise to that occasion in the first place yeah mm. yeah um what do you have to say Geese? so i'm actually really excited about this because i love abandoned stuff and i look at this stuff all the time disney world i think it is owns an island where is the island i can tell you which one it is <laughs> it's it's called Discovery Island. It's like off. Ugh. It's like in the bay of one of the parks. The Bay of Pigs. It's what used to be animal, or it's what Animal Kingdom replaced. Okay. Oh. Um, I'm trying to find it. I'm kind of wait. It's um, it's in the middle of Bay Lake. So it originally was Treasure Island, um. And it opened in in seventy six, so mm -hmm. it is in Disney World, and it was like supposed to originally be like you going and interacting with animals, like riding on rides and stuff. And it was like just a small island that was decked out with like pirate ships and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they had like an area where you could like walk with flamingos and alligators, and like they had a primate exhibit. And so they then turned it into Discovery Island and made it more family-friendly. And then they opened up Animal Kingdom in 98 and closed Discovery Island in 99. And Disney has banned everybody from going near the island since about that time when it was shut down. And some people think it's because, like, an 11-year-old boy died from a bacteria in the lake. Or they think it's because, like, some of the employees used to, like, kill animals. There. Oh, okay. Because the, the island originally was an animal sanctuary that they then built stuff on top of. Oh, also, all the animals that there used to be on the, like, extinction list, there were, like, animals that were dying out, and this was supposed to be, like, a habitat for them yeah. to, like, live and reproduce and, like, grow the population okay. again. Right. For a while, Disney to hunt naked, though. So. Yeah, basically. <sighs> so, <laughs> so they eventually just closed the island down and said, like, nobody can be here at all. There was someone took pictures in 09, and he was banned from all Disney parks because he sent a drone over the lake. Wow. And you can, like, rent kayaks to go, like, halfway out, but, like, you can't come anywhere close to the shoreline. Otherwise, like, you'll be fined and kicked out of the park, and you can't come back to any Disney properties. Wow. And they just, like, left everything there. There's apparently, like, the drone photos show animal food, like, in freezers still. Like, things are still unplugged into, like, electric boxes. Like, everyone just got off and left. And all the animals were then taken to Animal Kingdom mm -hmm. that could be transferred. Right. That could be transferred. So there's like I just want to just point that out. Yeah. So there's just a bunch and of wild-ass animals on this island? There's a bunch of dead-ass animals yeah. on this yeah, island. Yeah, no, no. Like, no, nothing is seen on the shore, apparently. Like, people who've gotten close enough to be kicked out, there's no wildlife on there anymore. There used to be, like, birds Wait, and shit. Wait, there's people there, though? No. Well, there's not supposed they... to be. Well, how are it's they in the middle out, of then? a bay, in the middle of like a park. People look, oh, yeah. Okay. You can rent kayaks and go to a certain point, but once you cross that certain point, you then like turn back. Yeah. Or be destroyed. <laughs> Basically. 
And it's just an island that they fucking own and that no one's allowed to go on or take pictures of or look at because right. whatever. Well, that's a perfect like visual metaphor for the Disney company. It's yeah. just they've got this whole park built around this like small island of just right. decay and death and right. separation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they don't even try to bury it or try to do anything with right. it. It's just Don't look at that. Right. They've only You legally... are forbidden from looking at that part of our history. Mm. Yeah, and they've only been legally Well Disney was a saint and you'd be glad to have him as your pappy. <laughs> they've been legally forced to report any instance on their property that like happened to anyone who works there, like their visitors since two thousand and one. So everything prior they could just sweep underneath the rug. And because this park closed in ninety nine they don't have to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And so, like, nearly a th- <clears throat> not a thousand, a hundred people, like, report lawsuits there a day. Awesome. Super awesome. No, that, um... Whoa. That's a good jumping off point to the big thing I wanted to talk about, and actually excited to talk about, um, which... Is, which ties into... Um, ties into that in broad strokes, which is, are you familiar with the original plan for Epcot? Yes. I think he wanted to build a cult. No, I don't... Not, like, necessarily cult-cult-like, but, like, wasn't it a place where he wanted to, like, have people come and live and it become a sustainable society? Right, like, so... The original plan for Epcot, or the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, yeah. was... Uh, was a futuristic okay. con- concentric city where in the center you basically it was basically a version of of what you have now like that's the part where the guests would come in and there'd be restaurants and everything and maybe rides or whatever and then out from there would be what's called the green belt and that's like nature parks and stuff like that and then from beyond there is the residential area where, where people lived. And then everything is connected with, with people movers and monorails. And all the cars are on a level underneath. And then all of the um, industrial vehicles, like semis and stuff, are on a level underneath that. So there's no traffic in the city itself. Um, and... That's awesome. Yeah, and every like every six months or year, like everybody's appliances would be would be updated because it would be based on a thing of like the most the most modern and uh, innovative technologies would be like a community to to test those kinds of things and all really really brilliant ideas. The part that where it falls apart is that. Everybody in the city would work, would work in the city. Oh. And nobody owns property. Oh. Right. See, and that's the that's the thing, and that's that's the funny thing about about those kinds of ideas. You tweak one little thing. Oh and, yeah, they and can it, turn... and it and it become goes from utopia to dystopia really fucking quick. Right. And it ties back into into Discovery Island and and Animal Kingdom in the way that these kind of um Muskian ideas cuz right. Walt Disney is very much the Elon Musk of his day in very many ways. Yeah. Um but these very Muskian ideas Musky. Are, these musky ideas are are limited by um, by the demands of the market. You know, like a a a park where you can where you can come see in, endangered animals and learn about them and be encouraged to um, you know to take action in whatever way or something. Just respect nature in general. Just respect nature yeah. in general. Um, on paper, sounds like a good idea. Oh, yeah. The only way to get there was by boat as well. You had to, like, buy a ticket to a ferry to get there. Right. But when you 
but when you put it as part of of a of a park that only let's be honest only upper middle middle class people can afford to to go to right you know and it's it's an attraction and there's a bottom line to maintain when it comes to to the animals and keeping them there it's not a publicly funded zoo right then complications arise and the mm-hmm. same thing with with Epcot i think that that's a a brilliant idea and honestly that's long term like 20 30 years that's my goal of indie carnival to be completely honest but it's the Walt Disney Company owns everything as opposed to the people who live there and work in the community right. own everything in common. Right. Yeah. A communist version of Epcot is I think I think brilliant. You know, like if if everything is owned in common and so there the market market risk is is eliminated because you know you make a new product and you you as part of this community as you know as part of the industrial sector say make design a a new a new washing drying machine that's not loud as fuck and that I can run while I'm doing vocals <laughs> you know and and that gets distributed to to everybody and so the community as a whole buys however many 5000 you know i think it was like 20000 people that Walt intended to live live in Epcot at a time if i think that's right so you know say that's 5000 houses or whatever uh 5 6000 houses and that gets distributed to that many people that many of that product have to be have to be bought so that right. risk of that market risk of innovation and supply and demand are are eliminated in that scenario um but that's the thing about about Walt and you know and just that whole and people like him and and Musk and these and these capitalist liberal liberal socialist innovators and the people that you know have big bold ideas but they are limited by that need right. for to control it and to make to make money off of it right they always capitulate to this notion that it must follow the status quo as right. it is already and even if it breaks if it breaks the status quo it it does so in a way that still serves capital right exactly it still ser it still serves that that bottom line and the um the hegemony of i mean yeah i mean the stat the status quo like it's the it's the dressing that that changes and you know it's and that's that's the thing with Disney all along. It's the it's the artifice that that changes, but it's still you know just a really really nice package on um, on you know deaths at parks and right. and and hiding things in in their history. And we didn't even have time to get into. Uh, Disney's very turbulent and troubled record with labor. Oh yeah, well you know. we kind of t- like we gave a light sprinkling, right? But there are many more like yeah issues to be had, even going back to the very beginning. Um, but I don't really. There's a little, there's a little microcosm of that I want to talk about. Uh, okay. Oswald the Rabbit, the first one of the first yeah. uh, Disney properties. Mm-hmm. Well. Not technically a Disney property. It was, uh, was it Columbia? No, it was uh, Universal. He Universal owned it uh, when Walt was working for them. But he, then he split off and did his thing and, uh, you know, eventually died. And now 
the Disney company owns Oswald again. Hmm. So it's like... When we talk about Disney, we're ultimately talking about this machine that is just very capable at owning things. Right. Yeah. At, at, at grabbing up all of these different ideas and images and storylines right. and things that were even never <coughs> even theirs, but they just redid the repackaging, rebranding of it right. to the point to it where like, it's something we understand. Like Mulan was already a story. Cinderella, already a story. Mm-hmm. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. All of these were already fairy tales. Right. They were already parts of our collective consciousness. And so it's the- like... Yeah, exactly as you said. It's just they are the the mask for what is already in us but is being sold to us. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the the tension is, you know, Disney Disney reintroduces these reintroduces these stories that are that are held in common that don't belong that don't belong to anyone and rightfully don't belong belong to anyone and Hell, there's a whole pod. If we're going down this road, there's oh, a yeah. whole podcast to be had about about cop uh, copyright um, and and everything. But the the tension is Disney reintroduces those those stories to to a modern audience and in a modern context, namely of of film, an animated film. Um. But then they own their version of the story, which is the version that exists in the modern culture. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what if you are like if you're going to make a uh like a Snow White story, you know, you can do that, but the doors probably can't be named the same thing. Right, yeah. and yeah. where where along the line between the original Brothers Grimm, very grim story, and the, um, what's what I'm looking for? The sanitized mm. Disney version. What's what's safe in that in that spectrum? Right. You know, what isn't going to be well? That's too too Disneyfied. Like their brand is so ubiquitous that it's almost intangible. What what they can say is is Disney because they own everything, even things that are on paper and theoretically held in common. Right. But the version that you know is Disney. Yeah. You know? A lot of our like modern context for what we consider to be magical is, is like under the scope of what Disney understands to be like in the Magic Kingdom. Right. Yeah. You know, Fantasia is kind of like the the you know, Sorcerer's Apprentice right. that, that yeah. Mickey has, like, that's kind of like a, it's a, it's an all-encompassing, like, staple in what, like, I think the modern, at least American, perspective on magic is. Right. I did air quotes just then, just so you know. Yeah. Confirmed by Goose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I, uh, is there anything else you want to, want to hit before we? Hop off this monorail. I would just like to leave everyone with the uh, image of Walt Disney's corpse clutching the severed head of Oswald the Rabbit, <laughs> while his uh, shining uh, casket is lowered into a subterranean layer, and while a uh, room full of chanting uh, goofy people um, applaud his descent. What is that? You didn't even mention, by the way, that Mickey was based off of Oswald. Oh yeah, basically. I mean, they're, you can tell they're like the same fucking yeah. character, but I mean, he was just doing his Walt Disney thing. Oh, there's also a disturbing story about Ub Iwerks and Mickey Mouse's image. Uh, Ub was drawing him for the, a long period of time, and at one point, uh, somebody walked up to Walt and Ub and asked Walt for a picture of Mickey, and... Uh, Walt's like, sure. And he like takes the paper from the kid and hands it to Ub and is like, draw that for me. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah, that's how that's gonna, gonna end. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode of Phantom Nonsense. Uh, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash IndieCarnival. Uh, and... Nothing really going on on the YouTube 
at the moment because uh, couch lock keeps getting taken down and that's yep. really discouraging me from wanting to assemble another episode and we have like three or four already in the can so um so maybe there'll be one on friday but um but yeah is there anything anything else that oh um go to uh hardshapeboxers.bandcamp.com and listen to closure uh because it is up for now um it's, I'm, I feel better about it than than the last than the last one. All right. Um, it, I'll probably put up another one at some point, but it's up there for now. So go listen to that. It's free. Also, Remantle's on there, and uh, I guess uh, it's. Are you gonna put out? I won't soon. Yeah, I will. You think? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and there'll be a new song from Makewell coming out coming out soon. So uh, you know, look forward to that, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. I had to pee so bad. Oh. Yeah, that's that's me too. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I, I can hold it in a tube for a little yeah, bit. We had a lot more about that than I thought we might. So. Good job, team. <laughs> <laughs>